0: Everyone is stressed these days, but young people are feeling the stress of 2020 most acutely. In a survey conducted by the Harris Poll for the American Psychological Association, more than one-third of young adults ages 18 to 23, also known as Generation Z, said that their mental health was worse now than it was at the same time last year. That compares with just 19% of millennials, 21% of Gen Xers, 12% of baby boomers, and 8% of older adults who felt that their mental health had gone downhill since last year. Why are the stresses of 2020 hitting young people so hard? And how will that affect them both now and in the long term? Welcome to Speaking of Psychology the flagship podcast of the American Psychological Association that examines the link between psychological science and everyday life. I'm Kim Mills. If you enjoy Speaking of Psychology, the conversation doesn't have to stop when the podcast is over. Get unlimited access to hundreds of videos about the latest in psychology for just one low price by registering for access to APA's 2020 Virtual Convention. Start with some of our selected videos featuring psychology's biggest names discussing topics like COVID-19, racism, and stigma, or let your curiosity take over and use our on-demand library to explore any topic. Just go to convention.apa.org slash podcast. That's convention.apa.org slash podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Emma Adam, a developmental psychologist and professor in the School of Education and Social Policy at Northwestern University. She worked with APA and the Harris Poll on the Stress in America survey to include young people from ages 11 to 23 in our sample and help to interpret the data. In her lab, she studies how factors like school, family, and peer relationships affect teens and young adults' stress levels and how stress in turn affects their health and development. Welcome to Speaking of Psychology, Dr. Adam.
1: Thanks very much, Kim. I'm delighted to
0: be here. Let's start with the Stress in America report. Gen Z adults reported more stress and worse mental health than any other age group right now. Was that a surprise finding or was that what you expected the results to be? Well,
1: it was a, partly a surprise and partly expected. So um, I was l- very interested in uh, the teens and the, the Gen Z teens and the Gen Z young adults. And uh, we've known for many years that stress and uh, depression and anxiety have been increasing in adolescence. And so we were expecting to see that continue. Uh, in to 2020, but they're really, uh, the surprise was the size of the jump, and particularly for the Gen Z young adults, and also why, uh, also the fact that the Gen Z young adults showed more stress, uh, notably more stress
0: than the Gen Z teens. Uh, talk about the the Gen Z teens. How are they doing, and, and what are, are they're feeling a little bit less stressed. Why might that be?
1: For, first of all, let me point out that teens haven't been, uh, Tested every year in the Stress in America survey, right? When, uh, we've had re, uh, really reliable data a year over year on gen, um, yeah, on adults, but there, there's only been teens tested for a few years. So their stress was not notably higher than in the past years that they've been tested, um, and uh, that's a bit of a mystery of why it's uh, of why that might be the case. But I have actually some other data that speaks to that question. Uh, we uh, one thing about the Stress in America data is that it's cross. Sectional, So it's different teens asked every year. In my own research lab, uh, the COAST Lab, the Context of Adolescent Stress and Thriving Lab, we had a survey ongoing, and we were able to test teens prior to lockdown uh, and then the same teens teens again after the lockdown and ask questions about mood and sources of stress in their life. And what we found is that for teens as, as a whole, the average stress level after lockdown uh, didn't go up greatly, but when you break down and look at sources of stress, certain sources of stress went up and sources certain sources of stress went down. So it turns out that uh, the stress of schooling, for example, actually decreased for teens because they, these social stressors and the stressors of schedules uh, uh, of schooling went down. But the stress, uh, stress related to home and health of family and, and friends uh, and family-related stress went up, and that went up dramatically, particularly for teens from low socioeconomic circumstances. So, it's a story of different of, of stress changing for teens in terms of the sources and also of disparities in stress with lower-income teens ex- experiencing much greater stress as a result of the pandemic than, uh, than higher-income teens.
0: How did these findings from the Stress in America survey fit with the long-term trends in teens' mental health? I've seen data that rates of depression have been rising overall among teens for close to a decade. Do you researchers have any theories as to why that's happening? Sure,
1: uh, th- this uh, trend has been very concerning to researchers for uh, for, for the last decade. It's been uh, really become apparent in the past in the past few years, and there's. Unfortunately, lots of theories, but no solid evidence regarding what is causing this trend. So, some of the theories um, include uh, increased social media use among teens, uh, but the evidence has been very mixed on that. Um, for there is evidence that for some teens, social media is a very positive influence, and for others, it, it can be more uh, can be more harmful. But it tends to be that the Uh, social media experiences, the online experiences of of teens mirror the offline experiences. So teens that are doing well already uh, in their interpersonal interactions, tend to, to do well in their online interactions. Uh, and uh, those that are having difficulty also have more difficulty with online interactions. And there's also evidence of bi directional effects, so that when p- teens become more distressed, they might turn to social media sources more. So it's really hard to get, get any insights into causality there. Um, there's also evidence that sleep is declined uh, for uh, teens, and that's a really uh, possible candidate. Sleep has a lot. Large influence on mood and depression. And so um, uh, the, with the increases in activities and increases in kind of school-related stressors uh, that the teens are facing, uh, that uh, both Maybe one contributor to the increased stress and depression, but also chip away at sleep, which is something really important for regulating well being. Um, the final hypothesis, and this is one that's really relevant to thinking about stress in America, is that e- increased economic disparities uh, in the family and in schools is contributing to increased stress uh, and depression in teens. And this is where the stress in America data have me really concerned, because there is some pretty good evidence that uh, larger economic downturns, which in turn cause family economic uh, conditions to worsen, in turn has effects on parent mental health and teen mental health and uh that there's some possibility that it's re- that the uh, pa- that past economic downturns have had long term effects on adla- on have contributed to the increase in depression and anxiety and then there's some real evidence that uh, this particular a- economic downturn may be having effects on teens
0: going back to sleep um, given that so many kids are attending school virtually right now. Are they getting more sleep and might we expect to see their stress levels go down at least as long as they're studying at home and not getting up in the morning to catch the school bus?
1: Yeah, actually, we do have evidence again in the data from my lab from uh, a study called the Bio Study uh, that uh, teens are sleeping more uh, uh, post post pandemic or during during the pandemic, which is something that may account for why teens in particular aren't showing as high elevations and stress as we expected. Um, so, that, so that's something that's uh, definitely uh, teens run up against, uh, were running up against relatively rigid uh, school schedules. And the release of the, the rigidity of those school schedules allows teens to get more of the sleep that they need and also allows them to sleep at times that they're better suited to sleep. There's a biological rhythm to sleep. Um, and with uh, teenagers actually uh, having a biological circadian pattern where they are prefer to sleep late, uh, go to bed later and wake up later. And the pandemic for many youth is allowing them to uh, live within that um, biological rhythm that is uh, more natural to them.
0: So it's just the parents then who are having insomnia because they're worried about the economy and their jobs, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And those, and those Gen Z uh, young adults as well. Uh,
0: yeah. You've written that there's this common idea that adolescence is by its nature a stressful time of life. But you also say that normalizing high stress for teens ignores the negative effects that it can have. What have you and other researchers found out about how stress affects teens' health and development? Sure. So
1: my research uh, is has focused not only on perceptions of stress, but also the implications of that stress for uh, biological systems and for cognitive cognition and for health, uh, both mental health and physical health. And so within my own research and other people's research, there's really uh, profound implications of stress for uh, all sorts of aspects of biology. But the system that I've focused on is uh, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, uh, which is called the HPA axis for short, um, or uh, most of you may be more familiar with the hormone that's produced by that axis, which is cortisol. And we have done Diary research, where we uh, uh, text teens at random moments during their day and get them to report on the types of stressors that they're encountering throughout the day, and then link those with levels of the cortisol, uh, the stress hormone. And what we've found, we've identified that there are very many there. There are. Throughout the course of the day, this this hormone is going up and down as negative mood goes up and down and as uh, teens encounter stressors. Um, and That's perfectly normal to be expected and that's part of what uh, the system is supposed to do. When cortisol goes up, it helps to mobilize energy resources to help individuals cope with the stressor. The problem is when you start to get exposure to chronic stress, um, and so uh, the chronic stress associated with poverty, the chronic stress associated with uh, high levels of exposure to bullying or racial discrimination or uh, abuse within the home or domestic violence. Those ongoing stressors can really cause dysregulations in the biology, which in turn have implications for uh, physical health. Uh, there, there's a Wide variety of uh, impacts on not only stress hormones, but on immune functioning, on earth's early signs of cardiovascular dis- uh, disease, uh, and uh, then as we've been talking about, it has strong implications for emotional and mental health disorders. But uh, the underappreciated impact also is that stress has, and these changes in stress biology have implications for cognition, and so uh, it is kind of uh, is in my opinion, one understudied contributor to to disparities in academic outcomes. Uh, If this uh, stress one uh, one thing that stress does to your cognition is it narrows it and focuses your cognition on the stressor at hand, which makes it really hard to focus your attention on things like algebra, which might be what the teacher is hoping that you're focusing on. Uh, so a wide range of implications, both, uh, both in the short term. Uh, and there's l- uh, limited evidence in tr- following teens' Uh, up, looking at the long term, but we have every reason to believe that the that these short term implications, if uh, if chronic, can uh, turn into long run uh, uh, disease outcomes.
0: What should parents or other caregivers be looking for as the signs that stress is harming their their children? So, uh, stress
1: uh, is hard to detect uh, because uh, there's in teens, in some senses, because. Parents have this stereotype that teens will be teens, and the kind of moodiness that uh, teens, that is a, a stereotype of being an adolescent, uh, can be dismissed as something that is just normal. Um, I think uh, teens, uh, parents need to be willing to ask their teens how they're doing, They, they um, and regularly do so. It is a difficult thing to do. Teens may dismiss parents, uh, parents, uh, in, Interest in their well-being, but I think uh, ultimately it's important to continue to inquire. Uh, there's also changes in behavior. If a teen is sleeping more than usual or less than usual, uh, if their moods seem more more intense than usual, either more sad or more angry, um, any large changes in behavior. If they stop going out to see friends, um, uh, well, now friends. in the pandemic, <laughs> in the pandemic, that's that's hard to. Assess, but you can all you can assess whether or not they are seeming socially withdrawn. Um, t- teens are connecting with friends virtually. Uh, if if they seem to have drawn back uh, completely from reaching out electronically to friends, uh, and uh, that that would be another another sign of of uh, distress in teens. And so, uh, basically, large changes in behavior are something to be to be on the lookout for. And um, certainly, sadness, um, crying—those uh, th- are signs. But, but as I said, anger can be also an expression of of, uh, of depression in, in
0: teens as well. You also study interventions like meditation and mindfulness to reduce teen stress levels. What have you found about um, effective interventions? What What are the best that that what What have you found that works best?
1: Sure. Well, we have several interventions that are underway. So, I hate to. Um, draw conclusions about them until all the data are in but we do have one intervention where we uh, studied meditation in teens and we found significant reductions in blood pressure among teens uh, who were engaged in the the meditation intervention Um, we're currently uh, launching an app-based mindfulness intervention uh, which is uh, something that we hope will have positive effects. We do know that mindfulness, more generally, there's been prior studies that have tested mindfulness in teams and shown positive results. Uh, but what we're hoping to do is come up with something that might be a little more scalable, a little more easily ex- um, accessible to a broad range of teens. The other um, type of stress that we've not touched on in too much detail is um, the stress of racial discrimination, and that's a big focus in my lab. And so we have a specific intervention that is designed to try to buffer teens from the stress of racial discrimination. And that intervention actually focuses on uh, promoting a positive racial ethnic identity in youth. And it's a group-based intervention. We've done it live. We've done it on Zoom. It was designed by uh, Adriana Omanya taylor at Harvard University. And there's initial uh, results from her lab showing positive effects for youth, both in terms of their self-esteem and their emotional well-being, as well as uh, some of their academic performance. And the idea is that, um, and this is a more general concept that I think you can take away from this, is that belongingness, feeling included in a group, feeling accepted is um and is one of the most important things for regulating stress. Uh, We are social beings, and so social interaction and feelings of belonging, feelings that people care for us, um, and that we're included in the group are really are are fundamental to our human existence, and so anything that threatens that is uh fun, is a fundamental stressor. So this is why uh, loneliness is a is is a really strong stressor, and this is why racial discrimination is a really long, uh, it's a really uh, strong stressor for for teens. And so uh, this intervention is intended to have youth really explore and connect with their heritage in ways that maybe bolster them against uh, some of the slings and arrows of um, of, uh, very unfair treatment uh, on the basis of race or other other categories. Although ultimately, of course, we hope to eliminate those forms of stress in teens' lives. In the meantime, we're uh, concentrating on uh, also bolstering their ability to respond to those types of stressors.
0: Do you know which kind of support helps more, whether that's support from family or friends? Does that vary depending on a child's age? Sure. There is some
1: evidence that, uh, and certainly from a theoretical basis, uh, with younger children and early adolescents depend more on support from uh parents uh and as as you enter later adolescence uh support from peers and communities start to become important. But I don't want to diminish how fundamental parents are even to the lives of older adolescents and young and 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 young adults. Um, so while there's a transition in uh certainly seeking uh outside peers for um Entertainment, for socialization, for social um, enjoyment, but, and, and for some forms of support, uh, parents remain a fundamental attachment figure for uh, adolescents and for young adults. And I think uh, it would, it's important, particularly in these times of threat, that that form of communication and support remains open as much as possible for, for youth.
0: One of the biggest challenges for young people right now is that many high schools and colleges and even elementary schools and middle schools are are operating remotely or on on a hybrid model. Um, How might this switch to virtual school affect teens and young adults' stress levels, mental health, and ultimately their development?
1: So uh, this uh, is a place where we... I don't. Where I'm speculating a little bit and, and drawing uh, on theory uh, to inform my uh, my answer uh, my answer here. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> the one the one uh, the the one piece of data that I do have is the data from the bio study, which does show us that the switch to virtual to virtual or hybrid models is allowing uh, teens some relief from the social pressures of school and, and increased uh, um, sleep and uh, increased feelings of calm. To, uh, so we actually uh, looked at mood states of, of kids before and after the pandemic. And um, the so post-pandemic, uh, uh, after the school shutdowns, Kids were lone uh, teens were lonelier, but they were also uh, calmer and less tired. Um, but the other uh, on the on the flip side, uh, youth from lower SES circumstances, had, in addition to feeling lo- calmer and less tired and lonelier, they were also feeling increased feelings of shame and anger. And so, uh, and so those those were actually not driven by the schooling, but the other aspects of the pandemic. So. I think that uh, when just again speculating on the impacts of virtual schooling, the what's really going to matter is that kids are getting the education that they that they need. You know, for the long run, they for the long run they need appropriate content, and that and teaching needs to be adapted appropriately to deliver that content in a virtual setting. Um, they need appropriate social contact with their peers and with their teachers, uh, to the extent that can be facilitated uh, online, uh, you know, it's certainly, I at this point, I'm not worried about screen time as much as I'm worried about ensuring that teens have continuity in their education and in their social relationships. And so, if those social relationships can be pr- provided virtually, I think that matters uh, greatly for teens. So, uh, schools need to just get creative about how they're offering uh, but their education, but also how they're offering a feeling of connection to uh, teams so that they actually have an experience of a peer group and have an experience of interaction with their teacher. So uh, so I think it's too soon to say whether this, uh, the homeschooling part of it will be devastating. We certainly, I am more worried about uh, the devastation associated with the loss of uh, loved ones due to um, how the health crises of the pandemic and also the negative impact of the pandemic uh, on, sorry, the negative impact of the pandemic on the economy. So those are the things that worry me more than the virtual schooling. Now, when you talk about parents, the virtual schooling has been uh, something extremely difficult to navigate. Uh, and so we did, in the Stress in America See the survey, see that parents are um, also much more stressed than non-parents. And, uh, actually when I checked the numbers, if you asked uh, about stress related to the pandemic, the parents are almost as stressed as the Gen Z Hmm. young adults. So those are the two groups that, uh, the, the two groups that are really uh, having trouble navigating, uh, this pandemic. And I think one thing, uh, we've kind of done in this interview so far is broken down all these different sources of stress, but the real, um, the the real problem or the real crisis associated with this pandemic is the number of different issues that have piled up and are affecting uh, uh, both adults and and teens right now. Uh, There's stress related to to the pandemic, and then there's stress related to the economic downturn associated with the pandemic. uh, There's stress associated with the health uh, crises of the pandemic. And then there's stress associated with the very real issues of race in this society uh, in 2020 that have been here for for generations, but um, have really the race relations in the country Um, have really uh, been uh, come to the forefront uh, again in 2020 with uh, the uh, shooting and uh, death of, of uh, black uh, individuals at the hands of police, and that was something we did see in the survey that um, the majority of Americans were concerned about those events, uh, and the majority of Americans are very stressed and concerned about the outcome of the election and the and the tensions surrounding the election. And so, it's the uh, one thing that we know about stress is that. Um, uh, one stressor at a time is more manageable than accumulation of stressors, and there's something called a cumulative stress model where you essentially add up one stressor, another stressor, another stressor, another stressor, and um, there is there is a breaking point for many people where just uh, too many stressors handled all at once are really uh, lead to problematic uh, health outcomes.
0: I thought it was interesting that overall uh, what we found in Stress in America was that People felt positive about their future, but there was an exception among uh the, the generation Z. What what did they say about their futures?
1: Well, you know, every generation in the Stress in America survey said they do feel hopeful for their future when they're asked specifically, but the Gen Z were the lowest on that. I think they were sixty four percent, or, or uh, um, uh, as compared to numbers in the seventies and for the other for the other right. individuals. Um, it's they so they have hope for their future, but the real uh, psychological dimension that I think defines Gen Z in this survey is feelings of uncertainty about their future. Uh, it, they talk about uh, uh, two-thirds of them say uh, in the survey said that planning for their future seems impossible or feels impossible. And this was actually only 51% of Gen Z teens said that. So two-thirds feeling planning for the future uh, feels impossible uh, is it's a really paralyzing state and uncertainty. I said that social exclusion is one thing that's really a a powerful contributor to biological stress. The other is uncertainty. And so um, uh, these uh, teens are both socially isolated as well as feeling great degrees of uncertainty about what their future schooling is going to look like and also what their future jobs are going to look like. And I think, uh, you know, that that there's real cause for concern about uh, that. I have a a colleague, uh, Hannah Schwant, who has actually studied the impact of individuals graduating into a recession and has found that there is lifelong impacts uh, of graduating into a recession on er lifelong earnings as well as on even things like family form- formation and health outcomes. And so I think uh, in addition to providing the types of emotional supports that we know are needed by teens and young adults, we also should be thinking really carefully about what kind of economic supports we can provide, what kind of job training programs, what kind of opportunities. Uh, I was brainstorming this morning and thinking, well, what about AmeriCorps? You know, could could we have an expansion of AmeriCorps to just have not only... Um, um, opportunities for uh, teens, for, for teens and young adults that are graduating into this d- difficult economy, but opportunities that would be helpful for our country as a whole. So uh, there's other policymakers that can think much more, uh, much more creatively about how to create the types of job opportunities I'm talking about. But I, I really think that we need to, even though psychology is an important part of what we're talking about, we need to move beyond psychology to policy in order to address the types of stresses that this generation is facing.
0: Well, let's hope that there are some important policymakers who are listening to this podcast and are taking this to heart because it's very important. So I want to thank you for joining us today, Dr. Adam. It's been very interesting talking with you. Thank you very much, Kim. You can find previous episodes of Speaking of Psychology on our website at www.speakingofpsychology.org or wherever you get your podcasts.